Lord Jesus and Heavenly Father, we thank you oh so much for this beautiful day you've blessed us with and the awesome opportunity to be able to gather together and have a little bit of fellowship and the chance to get into your word and help us now as we get into this study that we can understand it and apply it in the right way and draw closer to you. Thank you oh so much as we pray in Jesus' precious holy name. Amen. Continuing our Explain the Word series in the book of Second Corinthians. We're picking it up in Second Corinthians chapter 6. But we are always got to remember that originally when these were written, they weren't broken up into chapters and verses. So sometimes you got to back up a little bit to get some context of the beginning of the, of the next chapter. As we see here in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, if you back it up to chapter 5 and verse 20, it flows right on into chapter 6. and gives you a little more clarity exactly what Paul is teaching about here. So in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 20 reads, Now then we are ambassadors for Christ. As though God did beseech you by us, we pray you in Christ's stead, be ye reconciled to God. Speaking about ambassadors and how we are ambassadors, we are representatives of Christ. And as Christians, we are supposed to be Christ-like as it continues to teach a little bit about what you will be going through while being ambassadors for Christ. Verse 21, For he hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. The work that he begins in us helps us to have the blanket of righteousness put upon us, the righteousness of Jesus Christ. And then right into chapter 6, We then are workers together with him, we talked about himself and the others that are participants in the family of God, workers working for the Lord because we are ambassadors. These workers are ambassadors, representatives of Jesus Christ. We then, as workers together with him, beseech you also that ye receive not the grace of God in vain. Like you've been blessed with the salvation. You've been given that, that grace that come in by unmerited favor, that gift that was given to you. But what are you going to do with that gift? As he says here, that it not be in vain, it's, that it not become worthless. It needs to be of value. It needs to be applied. It needs to be used. Not just cherished and set on a shelf somewhere and, and not put to work. We need to make it productive. Verse 2, For he has said, I have heard thee in a time accepted, and in the day of salvation have I secured thee. Behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. We've been given the blessed opportunity to spread the gospel, to be ambassadors, and he has given us all the things that we need and protects us on our, our mission of spreading the gospel. Verse 3, giving no offense in anything that the ministry be not blamed. A very important point he's bringing out here, that we not be offensive. You can present the Word of God in a loving and caring way and not offend someone. Or you can go out there and, like the old saying, beat somebody over the head with the Bible. And you push them away. This is done 
way too much with people's children. You find many times, sad to say, many times a pastor's family setting where the, the children of the pastor wind up being the most rambunctious and rebellious people because they get so much bombardment in a, a way that they become offended by it and they resist and go contrary. So we got to be very careful how we present ourselves to the world in the process of presenting Jesus Christ that we not offend people. We've got to be appealing to them to draw them in. So it's very careful how we present the gospel to someone in a loving and caring way, not in a condemning and critical way that just drives people away. Giving no offense in anything that the ministry be not blamed, but in all things approving ourselves as the ministers of God. In much patience, in afflictions, in necessities, in distresses. See, he's getting into some of the things that we're going to be going through. And we need to hone our behavior, our attitudes, use the experiences that he starts to talk about here a little bit to grow and to make you more efficient and productive as an ambassador of Christ. Read 4 again. But in all things, approving ourselves as the ministers of God, in much patience, in afflictions, in necessities, in distresses, in stripes, in imprisonments, in tumults, in labors, in watchings, in fastings, by pureness, by knowledge, by long-suffering, by kindness, by the Holy Ghost, by love unfeigned, by the word of truth, by the power of God, by the armor of righteousness on the right hand and on the left, by honor and dishonor, by evil report and good report, as deceivers and yet true, as unknown and yet well known, as dying and behold we live as chastened and not killed, as sorrowful yet always rejoicing, as, as poor yet making many rich, as having nothing and yet possessing all things. The various experiences that Paul had gone through by this time, he can really relate to all these that he's mentioning here. The various obstacles that he's had to overcome, the various challenges, as well as the rewards and blessings along the way. And the availability to share the experiences with others as ambassadors to God. That's what we have. So let's utilize it in the right way and not be offensive to others. And then in verse 11, O ye Corinthians, our mouth is open unto you, our heart is enlarged. Ye are not straightened in us, but ye are straightened in your own bowels. This word straightened here is not talking about a straight line. This is talking about being restricted, con confined. What they have presented to the Corinthians should not restrict them or confine them or limit them. But yet within themselves, they have applied these limits. In their bowels, as it says. We sometimes are our own worst enemy. 
we wind up restricting ourselves because of our fear or our doubt. But he's pointing out here that don't have that fear, don't have that doubt. Come out completely and fully and with plenty. Share that with others. Now, for a recompense in the same, I speak as unto my children, be ye also enlarged. I mean, just open it up, spread it around. Don't be confined and restricted. And now he gets into some teaching concerning our association with others. There is, be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. Now, this unequally yoked is a reference to Deuteronomy where the instructions were given to when you're plowing in a field not to yoke together an ox and a donkey because they do not walk at the same pace or pull in the same way and you would just wind up having chaos. The same thing. When we are united or yoked together or in association with someone who is not a believer then you're not walking at the same pace and it can wind up as being just chaos. This applies in your association, in your daily walk, in your work, in your business, and in your relationships as husband and wife. So if you are a born-again Christian, don't seek out a lost person to be your mate. Simple as that in that setting. But also in the business world, don't be linked up with somebody who is practicing an ungodly business just because there might be some money in it for you. We've got to be very careful who we associate with. Now this is not telling us to not have any contact with the ungodly because we have a commission to go out and reach the ungodly. So in that kind of association or that kind of relationship is encouraged but not to link yourself together with their behavior and with their practices which would draw you in and make you of no value as a representative of God when you're out there trying to teach somebody or preach to somebody and then they know what you're associated with or who you're associated with then you just lost all credibility plus if you're associated with somebody who is not a Christian they can draw you down they can pull you away they can distract you they can cause you a lot of grief and discomfort and unhappiness. Verse 14 again. Be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness? And what communion hath light with darkness? And what concord hath Christ with Belial? Or what part hath he that believeth with an infidel? And what agreement hath the temple of God with idols? For ye are the temple of the living God. As God hath said, I will dwell in them and walk in them, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. This can also be applied all the way to foreign affairs. When a godly country, or so-called godly country, or supposedly godly country, speaking of the United States, winds up linking themselves to an ungodly country and having a contract or a peace treaty or some kind of an association or link with them, then you wind up having a lot of these problems. Because you cannot really have a concord, which is what he's talking about there, a con 
contract or a treaty with somebody who is ungodly because they're not going to hold up their end of the contract anyway. So it's not going to work out for you. As it continues in verse 17, Wherefore, come out from among them, and be ye separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you. Coming out from among them, being separate. But we also have that great commission, so don't take this the wrong way. You can be a separatist and still be able to spread the gospel and share what the Lord's blessed you with. But you can take it to the extreme also and have no association whatsoever with the ungodly, and then you're not productive. You have received that grace in vain, as he started out in verse six, excuse me, verse one of chapter six. So we got to put it to work in the right way, but not be so linked or connected to somebody that's ungodly that then we are part of their ungodly behavior. That's how we need to be separate. We can be in the world. We can be among the worldly but not be of the world and worldly. So being separate, still within the world, but not of the world. Wherefore, come out from among them, and be ye separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you, and will be a father unto you, and ye shall be my sons and daughters, saith the Lord Almighty. Being adopted into that family, and being able to represent the Lord, as he said back over there in chapter 5, verse 20, and now we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God did beseech you by us, ambassadors of Christ. So be the right kind of ambassador, representing Jesus Christ everywhere you go. All right, rolling right into chapter 7. Having therefore this promise, these promises, what promises? That he's going to adopt us into his family, that we are going to be part of his family forever, and that we have this opportunity of salvation, that we have this opportunity to be able to serve the Lord, these promises that are available to us. He's having therefore these promises, dearly beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. Perfecting holiness in the fear of God. we got all we understand and know that there is going to be a time of accountability. There is going to be a time where we are all going to be judged, as he tells us over and over, like he told us back over in chapter 5 again in verse 10. Reads, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that every one may receive the things done in his body according to that he hath done, whether it be good or bad. We're all going to be answering, what did you do with what I blessed you with? What did you do with the life that I allowed you to live? Did you use it to bring honor and glory to the Lord or disgrace? As it continues, verse 2, Receive us. We have wronged no man. Now, Paul was dealing with a situation with the Corinthians where there was a lot of rumors and a lot of false news, you might say, or fake news, a term they like to use these days, concerning Paul and the others. They were false teachers that were coming in and trying to cause disturbances, and they were very critical of Paul especially because Paul was so influential, and they were spreading a lot of lies. And 
Here he points out, they haven't wronged anybody. We receive us. We have wronged no man. We have corrupted no man. We have defrauded no man. I speak not this to condemn you, for I have said before that ye are in our hearts to die and to live with you. Great is my boldness of speech toward you. Great is my glorifying of you. I am filled with comfort. I am exceeding joyful in all our tribulation. For when we were come into Macedonia, our flesh had no rest, but we were troubled on every side. Without were fightings, within were fears. Nevertheless, God that comforteth those that are cast down comforted us by the coming of Titus. This is interesting here how he points out that the Lord uses people to help other Christians, help each other, and he was comforted by the coming of Titus. That gave him great comfort, and he acknowledged that that was by the will of the Lord, that this comfort was able to come to them by way of Titus, just as given us the example of how when we go out and we encourage others, when we go visit others, we go to their homes or go to the hospitals or even visit the prisons or wherever, that we can be a great comfort to others by the will of the Lord, doing the will of the Lord. Nevertheless, God that comforted those that are cast down comforted us by the coming of Titus, and not by his coming only, but by the consolation wherewith he was comforted in you when he told us your earnest desire, your mourning, your fervent mind toward me, so that I rejoice the more. Spreading some good news there, giving them some encouragement. The folks down there in Corneth are encouraging you, are praying for you, are supporting you, and so forth. That can lift somebody up that's out there in the mission field or out there on the front line doing the work of the Lord when they find that others are supporting them. For though I made you sorry with a letter, now he gets into a situation where he had written them a letter where he had pointed out some errors of in their behavior. And the influence that that letter had on them was very profound and for a good while. And it made them sorrowful. And as being sorrowful, it actually resulted in a good work in the end. It became a benefit to them. It's kind of like when a preacher steps on your toes when he's up there preaching. He's stepping on your toes because he's saying something that it kind of hurts because he's pointing out some some fallacies in your behavior or some errors of your way or some lacking of doing this or that. And you go out of there thinking, well, he was just stomping all over me today. And you go out of there feeling bad. But then you get to thinking about it. Well, yes, he pointed out some things that I do need to change. And as a result, you grow and you become a better Christian and a better walk with the Lord after going through some suffering. And that's what has happened here in this letter that he had sent to the Corinthians and basically stomped on their feet a little bit and they got offended for a while, but then it resulted in them growing. For though I made you sorry with a letter, I did not repent, though I did repent. It's like, sorry, but I'm not sorry. Reads for I perceive that the same epistle hath made you sorry or sorrowful, though it were but for a season, just for a while. Now I rejoice not that ye were made sorry, but that ye sorrowed 
excuse me, but that ye sorrowed to repentance, for ye were made sorry after a godly manner, that ye might receive damage by us in nothing. For godly sorrow worketh repentance to salvation, not to be repented of, but the sorrow of the world worketh death. For behold, this selfsame thing that ye sorrowed after a godly sort, what carefulness it wrought in you, yea, what clearing of yourselves, yea, what indignation, yea, what fear, yea, what vehement desire, yea, what zeal, yea, what revenge, in all things ye have approved yourselves to be clear in this matter. See, they took a real close look. He pointed out some issues. They took a close look and realized, okay, there are some changes we need to be making around here. Wherefore, though I wrote unto you, I did it not for his cause that had done the wrong, nor for his cause that suffered wrong, but that our care for you in the sight of God might appear unto you. He did it so that they could understand that he cares for them, that he is... is sincerely concerned for their well-being. If he did not care about them, he would not have brought out the fallacies. He would not have brought out the error of their ways. Just like when we're out there in the world, when we're testifying, when we're spreading the gospel, when we're witnessing, when we point out somebody else's flaw in their walk with the Lord or the lack of a relationship with the Lord to them, sometimes they take it as offensive. They take it as an attack. But we do it in love. It isn't in hate. It isn't hate speech like the world would have everybody to believe, that Christians are just all filled with hate speech because we condemn their behavior. We point out their behavior. We point out the error of their ways. We don't condemn them. We just condemn their behavior. So it's a very big difference there between truly loving and caring for someone and sharing that with them. And we've got to be very careful. Like you said earlier, those offenses can come very easily. But when we do it, we do it because we care about them. And that's what he's pointing out here. He's doing what he has done and bringing out the error of their ways because he loves and cares for them, because they need to draw closer to the Lord. And as a result, they did listen up and they did grow closer to the Lord. Therefore, we were comforted in your comfort. Yea, and exceedingly the more joyed we for the joy of Titus because his spirit was refreshed by you all. It's like when Titus came back and was dealing with them, finding out that yes, things are improving and then letting Paul know that, Paul was encouraged by that. That Yes, they went through some challenges when they got that criticism. They got their toes stepped on, but they improved and it became a benefit to them as well as to those around. For if I have boasted anything to him of you, I am not ashamed. But as we spake all things to you in truth, even so our boasting, which I made before Titus, is found a truth. And his inward affection is more abundant toward you whilst he remembered the obedience of you all, how with fear and trembling ye received him. I rejoice therefore that I have confidence in you in all things. So all through that, it was the criticism that they needed. They needed it, stepping on the toes. 
they needed to hear that and they grew from that and it was rejoicing to Paul to hear the reports that come back to him by way of Titus that things were improving there. And it shows in the next two chapters how that the Corinthians as well as some of the other churches that were being developed and growing such as the ones in Macedonia which were the church at Philippi and the church at Thessalonica in how they began to look out for each other and how they began to donate to each other to help everybody have what they needed to be able to serve the Lord in the way the Lord wanted them as it continues in chapter 8. Moreover, brethren, we do you to wit of the grace of God bestowed on the churches of Macedonia, how that in a great trial of affliction and abundance of their joy and their deep poverty abounded unto the riches of their liberality. For to their power I bear record, yea, and beyond their power they are willing of themselves, praying us with much entreaty that we would receive the gift and take upon us the fellowship of the ministering to the saints. And this they did not as we hoped, but first gave their own selves to the Lord and unto us by the will of God insomuch that we desired Titus that as he had begun, so he would also finish in you the same grace also. Therefore, as ye abound in everything, in faith and utterance and knowledge, and in all diligence and in your love to us, see that ye abound in this grace also. I speak not by commandment, but by occasion of the forwardness of others and to prove the sincerity of your love for ye know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ that though he was rich yet for your sakes he became poor that ye through his poverty might be rich and herein I give my advice for this is expedient for you who have begun before not only to do but also to be forward a year ago Now therefore, perform the doing of it, that as there was a readiness to will, so there may be a performance also out of that which ye have. For if there be first a willing mind, it is accepted according to that a man hath, and not according to that he hath not. For I mean not that other men be eased, and ye burdened, but by equality that now at this time your abundance may be a supply for their want, that their abundance also may be a supply for your want, that there may be equity, equality. Excuse me. What he's talking about here, in a very complicated way he's got this written, is that they were all having some various needs. And in the process of taking what the Lord had given them in abundance and sharing it with someone else and then hearing how that has benefited someone else, that in turn gives the people that gave it a blessing from the Lord as well as knowing that they have been able to help someone else in spreading the gospel. As it is written, He that hath gathered much hath nothing over, and he that had gathered little had no lack. But thanks be to God, which put the same earnest care into the heart of Titus for you. 
For indeed he accepted the exhortation, but being more forward of his own accord, he went unto you. And he, and we, excuse me, verse 18, and we have sent with him the brother whose praise is in the gospel throughout all the churches. They didn't name this other fellow, but he sent him out to spread this and to share this. And to share not only the donations, but the information about the productivity, about the growth of the church, about the joyfulness of the church. That is just as valuable as the donations or the money. It was to be able to send some encouragement, to send some encouraging words, to share the comfort, to share that good news. And not that only, but who was also chosen of the churches to travel with us with this grace which is administered by us to the glory of the same Lord and declaration of your ready mind. Avoiding this, that no man should blame us in this abundance which is administered by us. Providing for honest things, not only in the sight of the Lord, but also in the sight of men. This group of fellows, these two in particular, joining up with Paul, bringing the, as it said earlier, bounty, the donations, and making sure that it was managed correctly. Being good stewards of the blessings that have been shared is what he's speaking of. And we have sent with them our brother, whom we have oftentimes proved diligent in many things, but now much more diligent upon the great confidence which I have in you. Whether any do inquire of Titus, he is my partner and fellow helper concerning you, or our brethren be inquired of, they are the messengers of the churches and the glory of Christ. Giving some endorsement, basically, is what he's doing here. Saying you all can trust Titus and these other chosen folks to be good stewards of the things that are given to them to take and share with the other churches. Wherefore, show ye to them and before the churches the proof of your love and of our boasting on your behalf. Like, be encouraged. You can trust them and know that your donations that are given to them are going to be used properly and given to those that are spreading the gospel and using it for the right reason. All right, let's close here. We'll pick it back up in chapter 9 next time as he further talks about this giving to the others and benefiting to others and it coming back to you as well. Let's pray. Lord Jesus and Heavenly Father, we thank you oh so much for your word. There's so many things in here, so many details that we can find when we dig deep in there to find that so we know exactly how you want us to behave and help us to take all of it and use it properly and share it with others. Thank you oh so much for all of it. As we pray in Jesus' precious holy name, amen. Thank you all.